Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Well, went back Saxon Jacks. I found my time out. Andrew on the board. Well, I'm not so sure he's got me on yet. There he is. Uh, S&P futures down buck seventy-five. Nasdaq futures down thirty-seven. Our future's up three. Do we have uh, Mr. Lou? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And you're sounding good. Uh, what's the good word? What's the good word on uh, Holy Thursday? Yeah, Monday, Monday, Thursday. Um, the good word is Finlandization. Yeah. And, how, how did uh, the uh, Turkish guy ever let them in? But he did. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know what the buy-off was um, or buyout was, but. Uh, the fact that Finland is now a member of NATO, I, I, I mean, I, I, I've heard both positive and negatives on this, but, but my personal opinion is this is a huge blow for, uh, for the Russians, and uh, another another marker to them, I think that their, you know, their their international stature, and you know the fear, and that's really the, that's really what it is, the fear. That uh, you know that they generated f f uh, for countries along their periphery or within their their sphere of influence. Influence the Russians call it the near abroad uh, is is dropping rapidly. Um, the the Finns are not. Uh, I don't think a particular any kind of or would be seen as any kind of particular threat to to Russia, but they are a very well armed like like most neutral countries in Europe the Swedes, the Swiss, the Finns they are armed to the teeth they are they are a very well disciplined army it's small but uh, but but very smart they fight smartly um, and and now they're going to be integrated with uh, you know with with NATO and and I think this really is an interesting interesting comment. I, I think one of the factors that that drives them in the in the direction of of the United States and and the Western you know sort of Western powers is the fact that they've they've looked at what's happening in Ukraine and they look at not just the invasion and the fact that the Russians were are clearly expansionist and uh, and you know and and want to want to end up not just knocking on the doors of uh, you know of Poland with uh, with the uh, the taking of Ukraine, 
but also the rest of the Baltic. I think the Finns looked at that and said, yeah, we, we see that. And, and that's a good reason for us to push in the direction of, of or align ourselves in the direction of, of the Western allies. But more importantly, they've watched what's happened with Ukraine's military. And, and they've watched how Western, not just Western weapons, but Western strategy and, and Western fighting style have, have absolutely decimated uh, the, the Russians where it's been put into where it's been put into effect um, and, and and how Western just just the uh, the ability of the Ukrainians to adopt Western weapons and, and, and tactics has literally stopped the uh, the Russian winter offensive and and I mean the Russians are still making some small gains but but you'll notice that they have not despite their best efforts, been able to take one crummy small little town in eastern Ukraine despite throwing you know tens of thousands of people at it and and hundreds of thousands of artillery rounds and I think the Finns look at that and said you know what that you know given the Russian the, the, the Russian danger that we see this is we want to align ourselves with these guys. We want to take advantage of their training. We want to take advantage of their their technological innovation, and and we want to apply that to uh, to our forces. And right. I think the Swedes, the Swedes, I think take the take the same approach or, or took the same approach. Well, my I guess my question, well, I have a bunch of them now because whenever you give an answer like that, it, it leads me to about three more questions. How much? How much? I mean, the Finns, let's say they have a... My clients, my clients say the same thing when I give them advice. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well you know, where I'm going is that I, I, there's no question, that, well, since you said so, and I believe you, that the Finns, plus they were like that in uh, World War II. They, had a, they were, uh, they didn't they fight the Russians in the snow and kick their ass or something? Or did something? Uh, they, fought the, they fought the Soviets to a standstill. Um, I, mean, I mean, the Soviets ultimately forced a... Uh, you know, force a, a, a solution, a, a peace deal, on the Finnish government, and Finland's, Finlandization is a, was a real thing. The the Finns became sort of a quasi extension of the Warsaw Pact. Their foreign policy was very heavily dictated by what they thought Moscow would approve, and uh, and that you know that's gone. It's made it may have been gone for a while, but it's definitely gone now. Well, I guess my questions are when you have. You have your people that are well trained, which obviously the Russians are not, because they're just dragging them off the street. Your stuff works, which the Russians doesn't seem to want to work. But what is their highest level airplane? I mean, what, how how good is their air force? And it seems like a lot of the stuff that that we, the Western powers, are helping the Ukrainians with is stuff like satellite technology, where these people are, how to figure out when all the cell phones are going off at the same time, and that's where your your guys are are all are all bivouacking for the nights of one one bomb and you kick half you kill half the army uh, all that stuff I mean the Finns don't have any satellites neither do the Ukraines I mean how do you how do you get to the next level even though you happen you are uh, the rest of your stuff is pretty good well to, to answer your initial question the Finns uh, aircraft are kind of a of a mix of uh, US and and British um, aircraft so they their principal, their principal aircraft is the FA-18, which you know they, I think they bought in 1995. So it, these are old aircraft. These are the original um, ones. Yeah, right. The un, the unimproved ones. Um, but they've just been on the hook, I think, to purchase uh, F-35s. 
which which obviously you know you you can fly the F thirty five by yourself, and and it's a it's an effective it's an effective multi role aircraft, but if you're integrated with NATO, that aircraft now suddenly no longer becomes you know a group of one or ten or even twenty you know fighters. It now becomes integrated into a an intelligence network and an, an air defense and, and uh, air attack network. That that literally involves hundreds and hundreds of aircraft. So, but, but these so, guys don't have the. Do they have any? Uh, what's the little, the little thing with the little saucer on top? A wax. Yeah. Do they, they? Would they have something like that? Would they have? I no, don't, they don't. They don't have anything like that. Um, they they don't they don't fly those. Their their uh, air defense or their aircraft are all uh, you know fighter fighter bombers, multi role aircraft for for air defense and limited offensive capability. Now. They get integrated with a NATO air system, uh, and, and we're still figuring out how to use the the F thirty five effectively. But if they get integrated with a NATO air air system, air defense system, um, the the problems for the Russians or anybody else coming after them become infinitely greater. Um, but they don't. And, 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 with and any, any of that sort of a coordinated radar, they they don't have the ability to have a well. They don't have any B fifty twos to to launch a bunch of missiles from like. 100 miles away or 500 miles away where you can't even shoot the thing down and they don't have that kind of stuff um you know hold on a second let me just let me just take a look and see what we've got there if if they're flying the f the f-18 they have the ability to launch some standoff stuff that that we have developed and i'm sure we would we would sell them so so short answer is yeah they've got they've got stuff that could there, there's stuff that could be fitted to the to the F A eighteen that would would have a standoff capability of a couple of hundred miles. Okay. So, so I mean, you're talking. I, I'm, I'm sort of looking at their stuff as we, uh, as as we speak. But the F A eighteen, the F thirty five, all of these aircraft are 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 being rapidly upgraded with with capabilities in terms of the weapons they carry. And we're we're actually getting a little smarter about this. This is one of the reasons why the B fifty two is is being re engined again and being kept in service. Because we've now come to the understanding that you don't necessarily need to have an aircraft, although it's nice to, that can penetrate, you know, deep into an air you know, a, an enemy's air defense zone and, and deliver weapons. What you need are, are missiles that can do that. And uh as long as you, you know, the 52's got a huge payload, you can load, you know, the, the ability to load, you know, 60 or 70 weapons into a B-52 and have that thing launch those things, you know, and they can fly the 500 miles in a stealth mode that, that makes them virtually undetectable and frustrating enemy defenses. Um, so so you could slap those things on F-A-18s and, and they have... But don't, they have you, don't you have to hang, or this is how, how ignorant I am on this stuff, I mean, the B-52 has the massive capability... On a on a bomb load, uh, in in the fuselage. But how much how much more can you hang off those wings that are hanging down anyway? Um, I don't know what the hard points on the on the modern B fifty twos carry. The the D model, which is no longer in service, had hard points on its wings that uh, I think added about twenty five percent to its payload. So another, you know, maybe another fifteen to twenty-five thousand pounds of ordnance. But do on the you, wings. but it's not like you drop the missiles out of the bomb bay, or do you? You do. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've they've adapted them for that, and, and uh, well, that, well, that makes it incredible. They can carry a lot of them. Then. 
Oh yeah, and and you 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 fly you know you fly those things. They've got a, a tremendous endurance. Uh, you know, twelve thirteen hours in the air unrefueled, and they can they can go for a long ways. And again, they're they're you know they're huge radar targets. You can easily see them. But uh, if they're standoff, you know, if they're standing off, you know, 200 miles off your off your coast, and, and they've got a missile with a 500 or 700 nautical mile range, you know, you've you've got a pretty good reach, and that that's the that's the concept that we see going right now. We are trying to shift to so-called fifth generation aircraft, which are are stealthed uh, aircraft, which doesn't make them invisible, but but makes them much harder to detect. We're, we're trying to move as much of our force to that area as possible, but but economics are that that a we don't have enough money to do that right now, and it's a long-term process. And b in terms of penetrating enemy air defense and 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 getting the kind of precision strike that you you need to fight like NATO fights or like we we fight, um, you you it, it's cheaper and more effective to have standoff or uh, munitions standoff munitions that are themselves stealthed that you know with with modern computer processing capability literally act like little airplanes you know crude aircraft they can somebody they can uh, over targets they can pick targets they can be reprogrammed in flight the whole bit well somebody sent me a what the, the uh actually one of the people with the, i get these things from Quora all day long one of the things yesterday some of the question was was there ever a a stealth warship and a stealth what i'm sorry a warship a ship, ship. You know, a yeah, the Zumwalt, the Zumwalt series of destroyers were were supposed to be stealthy, in, to the extent that, excuse me, to the extent that they um, were much harder to see on radar. And so, the goal of stealth is 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 twofold. One, it's to make it hard to, harder to detect. But I mean, you can't really hide it. It's very hard to hide a warship. With just radar reflecting capability, but it, it's not just making it harder to detect; it's making it much harder to get a firing solution. So, for example, uh, the, the, the Russians and the Chinese have supposedly developed some radars that can detect stealth aircraft at, at a distance. In other words, yeah, we know they're out there and they're they're roughly in this area, but that information is useless to you. Unless you could put, you can get a weapon system, which has a, a much narrower beam of detection. Unless you can get a weapon system on them, and and if you can't, you know, so so, so the scenario goes something like this: you you can detect an F-22, let's say, at 100 miles, and you know that it's that it's out there. So that aircraft, you know, flying, let's say, 600 knots, 10 miles a minute. You've got, you've got roughly ten minutes to to figure out where that aircraft is before it's overhead, and and obviously as we've noted, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be overhead. It can launch weapons like the small diameter bomb from twenty or thirty miles away, and so now you've got you know maybe less than five minutes to figure out exactly where it is, close enough to put a, to get a weapons lock on it. And before it releases its payload, and if you're a radar system a system operator, that payload's coming for you at least initially, because you're going to, in an initial attack like that, the first thing those aircraft are going to do is they're going to knock down the detection systems that 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 pose a threat. So, 
you know, your your comp, you're, it's very complicated for your your air defense operator who who now has a, a very narrow window. Yeah, we know it's out there. Get a weapon solution on it. We got to find it. We got maybe five minutes, and you know the clock is ticking while you do that. And oh yeah, by the way, while you're doing that, there's like three more of them, and they're yeah. coming in at, at other places and other altitudes, and further compounding your your tracking solution, your uh, tracking issues. Well, the dude that so, answered the question said something affected. It actually doesn't work because the the ship is big enough to where if you do a uh, if you just look at the ocean itself, you're gonna get this homogeneous temperature thing or something, and all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna get a hole in the temperature. That's the ship. So if if, if everything else around it is is something you're picking up, and all of a sudden there's a spot you can't pick up when it's on the ground, you know that's the ship. That that's the same. That's sort of the same theory that that uh, some of the tracking on uh, on the F-35 and F-32s use, which is there should be, we should be seeing a solid background radiation pattern, and if and where we don't see that, that's where the that's where the aircraft is. Um, I, I'll postulate one other thing, and this is... This By the is, way, in, in Star Trek, when they used to find the Klingon cloaked ships in the Romulans, it was called an anomaly. All of a sudden, what's that anomaly? The space doesn't look quite the same there. It has to be a ship. Same principle. Same principle. Same principle. Um, there's there's a I've read a paper several years ago that was talking about using electronic uh, stealth and and this was a mechanism that would generate a field around the aircraft that would effectively absorb radar radiation so that you wouldn't even get a return you know you know stealth works by uh, basically reflecting some radar absorption, but basically reflecting radar off it at an angle so that it doesn't return to the receiver. Well, this thing would this thing would effectively absorb it, um, and, and I assume at the same time, which would make it look exactly like the rest of the background, and then at the at the same time, it it would you know blend itself into the into the electronic background so that you would when you looked at a at a picture of of the electronic spectrum as this thing was moving through it it wouldn't you wouldn't see it it would look it would look something like um you, did you ever see the movie predator now we're going into real science fiction discussion did uh, you ever see the movie predator with my, uh, arnold schwarzenegger the, the, oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the, remember how that thing camouflaged itself it, it made it look it made itself look very close to what the background was it reflected light around and 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 kind of a blurry image of it, but it looked very close to what the background Well, you know, I, speaking of, of, of crazy questions, you or maybe Andrew, who's our, our young uh, high-tech dude, uh, when I see these commercials, this is a really dumb dumb question for Snacks and Jacks, I see these commercials where you get, you know... Oh, we've, we're not even close to the dumbest questions we've had on... Oh, I know. But, but, but you see this question, <laughs> I take a picture of you and your wife, and all of a sudden there's like a fat guy behind you. Uh, not... Not that I'm against fat guys, because I could use stand to lose a few. Uh, and then the thing you, you can take the fat guy out of the picture. Okay, you take him out of the picture, but how does how does the how does the the, the uh, your smartphone know what's behind the fat guy to put there a tree or something? Oh, I, I, I've got I've done that. I, I have that uh, capability on Google Photos. So your phone is using an algorithm that says, okay, here's the background. And if you if you play with this feature, you can see its limitations pretty quickly. Um, but but the phone says, okay, here's the picture of the background immediately along the edges of the of the item that I'm removing, and so I'm going to put in pixels 
that roughly approximate the the background color that that this this guy was was standing against and uh you know the that information is that metadata is contained in the in the pixels that uh that are exposed to light so so the uh, algorithm has the ability to say okay there's the colors around the outside of the edge of this this item i'm going to extend those colors into the the space that i've created when i take that image out of there and if you look at the if you look at a picture that to where that's been done i mean on a like a like a phone camera you know this the technology is not as sophisticated as as you could make it with a with a major with a significant computing capacity well you used to be able to do it without it Stalin had a whole bunch of people remember, well remember kathy yeah. kathy Durman sent me his picture. oh yeah but kathy but, was all over that if, if Stalin wiped somebody out, he not only wiped you out, but you were taken out of all history and out of all photos. Yeah, they took you out of photos, but but they have to. That was that was manipulating the negative, okay, and and so you had to manipulate the negative in the photo processing lab. With with digital photos, you don't have to do that. The the algorithm is is. But those guys were those guys. She sent sends me this one of these, I don't know, four, five, six idiots, all with their arms around each other on this bridge. Yes, and the, and the bridge, the, the guy that he wants out is between him and the railing, and all of a sudden the next photo, there's Stalin next to the railing. You never, and his arm instead of around the guy, he's by his side. You never knew the thing was doctored. It yeah, was pretty good yeah, work. They, they they manipulated they manipulated the negative, and then they would take the they would take the the photo of paper itself, and then create create the image on a on a photograph. And then and then reproduce that that photograph. Yeah. That, well, how, well, how'd, you, how'd you move the guy near the rail and move his arm down? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, these guys these guys are good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. It. But it. But that was a physical. That was a physical. You know, manipulation with somebody either drawing it in or taking another image, and and literally uh, putting it on a photograph and then exposing the exposing uh, the photograph. I, I saw this thing. I couldn't. Be, I couldn't believe it. How good it was. And with that technology. Uh, Hey, yeah, uh, well, Bob, about being motivated to to do that or or being sent to the gulag, you you start learning some pretty impressive techniques. He supposedly had about 120 people who were the best artists and photographers just doing it for him full time, wiping people out of books and stuff. I'm I'm sure of that. That you know Orwell, that that's one of the big elements of 1984 that that Orwell wrote about in what the 40s. You know yeah. the whole departments that were that did nothing but go through old newspapers and erase. News that the party <laughs> didn't want in history. We're doing some of that now. Uh, absolutely. Hey, you know, uh, digital, well, we're going to break here, but how about how about thinking about this this question? Something you did, I'm going to jump you with here. I had a I had a conversation with a uh, hopefully a would be client uh, yesterday, and they without going into what they do, but they have a lot of spot commodities around the globe, uh, and they're looking to hedge some of it, whatever. So you know, it's stuff we we can do. Uh, you know, if, if we have time to set it all up, we can do. I mean, we can do a lot of stuff for people if they, uh, if they ever think about it. That's shameless plug. Uh, but the dude was telling me that w- what is going on? Well, he's not even talking about Chicago. What is going on with this administration and their handling of the dollar? Don't they understand that? But screwing with the dollar like we're doing, and have for a while, be it inflation or otherwise, there's two ways you screw with it. One, you screw with it in relation to other currencies, and one, you just Everybody gets together and screws with it in terms of like other stuff, material. In other words, your dollar versus. Well, I'll explain this after the break. But he was saying how that almost as bad as militarily is giving people the idea that the U.S. is in, in basically the, the, the bleep bag, 
and is not to be trusted on any level. And you and you, you can't hang your hat with the U.S. for the next 50 years like you did the last 50 years. And uh, he says there's a huge connection between the the currency strength and the military strength, and we're losing. Uh, I- I absolutely believe that. Well, after the break, let's let's, let's walk through it a little more in detail. SP futures now up three fifty. Nasdaq futures down sixteen. So we got a mixed bag. A mixed bag of nothing here this morning so far. Obviously, there is no trading tomorrow, so it's it's almost like a Friday in the summer here. For God's sake, I'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day to day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. 
Lone Wolf X, Tyson Jacks, time, time out. Andrew on the board, SP Futures up three, NASDAQ Futures down 16. So we got a slow and mixed morning here so far. Dow Futures up 14. I don't really have anything in the Dow doing anything here. Well, we got United Health up a buck 77. The healthcare stocks were up huge all week this week, and I've been kind of searching for that, and I don't know quite know why, but they have been, they've taken over for the oil as the ones that are running up, uh, uh, for, like I said, for whatever reason. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 55. These guys are down heavy yesterday. But up today, 0.4%. FTSE up 57.7%. Kick around up 23.3%. The uh, Renasia, these guys were down last night. Uh, they still are. Well, at least the Nikkei is down 340, 1.2%. Hang Seng up 568 Back over 20,000, 20,331. Shanghai up 7 cents. Let's call that one like really flat. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was up 80, NASDAQ was down 12, NASDAQ was down 129, so we had a kind of mixed day mostly to the downside. Uh, Russell just keep getting hammered. So if you're somebody looking at the health of the economy, and you're one of these people who, uh, it's not Dow theory, it's anything else, but if you look at the, the health of the small companies, small companies being trounced the last three weeks, we have positions on our protected index program in like all these indices, and then the, 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 the NASDAQ is way up, the Russell is way down, I mean way down. And, uh, and it's, uh, there's people who think that how the small companies go, they're affected by interest rates more, whatever. Uh, the economy does not look too good if you look at those guys. Uh, Ten-year, unchanged, two point, I'm sorry, 3.29. The Bund uh, down two basis points, 2.15. Japan, uh, 0.47, we get close to their uh, top number here that they're allowed to go according to their government. Oil down 14 cents, 80.47. So a big run up in oil seems to have stopped at least the last couple days. Rent down 2 cents, 84.97. Natural gas up a penny, 2.17. Our Bob unchanged, 2.82. Gold uh, down a dime, but still 2,035. Pretty comfortably over 2,000. Silver up 2 cents, 25.06. Coffee up 2 cents. Sorry, copper, not coffee. Up 2 cents, 402. We've got Bitcoin down 290, under 28,000, 27,939, and we have the uh, U.S. dollar actually uh, down a little bit again, as the, as the euro is now over 109, 1091, and the pound is pushing 125, so dollar continues to sneak down a little bit. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevor, other sports? All right, it is uh, 637 here in Chicago on April 6th, starting off with some sports Yesterday, the Sox won over the Giants, ending their game 7-3. And the Cubs playing the Reds was postponed uh, due to some, uh, after two hours of rain delays, uh, weather some bad weather. And that's delayed to September 1st. It's a pretty long way away. Uh, over with basketball, Bulls lost to the Bucks, ending their game 105-92. Over to Chicago weather, it is currently 35 degrees, clear skies. Going to have a high of 53 today. And over in Phoenix, they're at 46 degrees, mostly clear skies. They're going to have a high of 80 degrees. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no major accidents to report. There was one earlier, but it looks to have cleared, uh, coming on the inbound uh, Kennedy near uh, Greenview Avenue or West Northern Avenue, but it looks to have cleared, so things are a bit better there now. Uh, otherwise, traffic is pretty heavy as it always is, uh, coming on all inbound expressways. A little bit, a lot of green of coming in from the south today, but especially if you're going in through that Kennedy, there's going to be delays probably about 20 minutes or so. Delays in November. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Yeah. But that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, Lou, the, uh, let me kind of set this up for a little bit, and again, I'm not going to try and give a, uh, a, a, a uh, 
lecture on international economic policy or monetary policy, but um, I think people who listen to the show and, and try and uh, get what you're saying and what I'm saying, because we're trying, we're not we're not talking down to anybody. We're talking as if as if people uh, need to know this stuff, want to, and if it takes them a while to get it, well, that's fine. It, but we're, we're speaking to vertebrates. Yes, we're we're, we're trying to. Uh, so we're not when when you talk about when you go to the gas station and uh, let's say whatever the government policy was, you go to the gas station now. Don't pick one product, even though I just did it like an idiot. Uh, don't pick one product, but if you if you decide that hey, my basket of stuff today, gas, whatever it was I bought, you know, clothes, you name it. If my basket of stuff today sure seems like it went up ten percent in price, that's one way of looking at it. the The real way to look at it is the value of what I'm buying this stuff with, meaning dollars, is down ten percent because gasoline hasn't done anything. Neither is chicken. I mean, in our society, you're used to seeing prices going up and down because that's that's healthy in a free society. Depending on you know a blockage here, could be a disease there, could be God knows what stuff stuff does move up and down uh, within a certain range. But if you see this general move one way or the other, it's not the it's not the stuff you're buying. It's the stuff in your pocket, and and it and it takes years for anybody to really understand that, but. A lot of what the gentleman and I were talking about yesterday, and I want to talk with Lou, is how many years ago Lou were like the, the biggest, uh, well, you say in the last three years, if you know somebody uh, that wasn't in the market or didn't have you know this stock or that stock and just had their money in the bank, just to say in a checking account, so we're not talking about interest, even though checking accounts do pay a little interest now sometimes, or just had a roll of $100 bills in their dresser. Everybody, everybody should know that that roll of hundred-dollar bills is now worth thirty percent less, or twenty-five. You can argue about the number, somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-three percent less than it did in the, in, in March of with the twenty twenty-one. I mean, it, yep. I mean, if, I mean, if you don't know that, I mean, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you, you better you better get it through your head in terms of what you can pay for it. Now it's still a hundred bucks, right? But Lou, how many years ago was it the the biggest store hold, uh uh, st- store storage of wealth in Russia was what U.S. hundred-dollar bills and Euro hundred and fifty-pound notes, right? And yeah, pe- the, the the Russians the Russians quite reasonably had zero confidence in their banking system, right? So even even if you're talking about a, I use the term I can't use the term peasant a regular a regular Russian dude out on his Lushik. farm, yeah. I mean, if if he could amass in his lifetime. 10 or 20 U.S. $100 bills, that's where he wanted his dough, right? Or his wealth. Right, because because the Russians within, you know, recent memory, within a generation, have have seen two episodes of, of hyperinflation. And I've talked on the show about being in Moscow when there was a currency run. And, and starting out with, you know, uh, uh, well, my Russian friends told me, don't change any money for a while. Starting out with uh, the dollar, you know, at at like a uh, thousand or fifteen hundred rubles, and four hours later, the dollar was worth forty five hundred rubles. I mean, it was insanity. Yeah. So yeah, there, you you go through that once or twice, and you say, you know what? I'm not putting money in rubles. I'm keeping my money in what's so called hard currency. Well, so we we have a policy here that says, okay, inflation is the best thing in the world for a government because you borrow money from people. 
and you paid money back to them with money that's worth a lot less. I mean, anybody in, in this country, uh, I say doesn't listen to this, anybody doesn't realize that what's going on here is for the benefit of the massive deficits, the markets that the government is running, and the few people who are able to raise prices faster than the inflation. If anybody, if anybody doesn't realize that, I mean, I, 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 you know, I got a bridge for you. I mean, I don't know, is it a little harsh, Lou? I mean, but it's, but it's, but that, but that policy works itself worldwide. The guy in Russia that said, "Holy, not that, not that our people really give a crap about the guy in Russia, but they're thinking they're the same, the same thing as the person here who, who, who trusted the currency." Yes, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I agree. And uh, but now these guys, yesterday I talked to, they said, "He goes, the regular American doesn't understand." I mean, these guys got, you know, they get stuff in uh, the Emirates, they get stuff in you know various places. I guess I don't know. I didn't talk to them very long. Who the hell knows if anybody's telling the truth? Uh, well, time goes by, if they become a client, you know, then I'll know they're telling me the truth. But they're saying, doesn't anybody get that what what, the, what we're doing to the dollar in relation to now for a long period of time, Lou, it was hidden by the fact that during COVID, every central bank was doing the same thing. So if you were to say to somebody on, on, on Talking Head TV, what's what the dollar is going down in value? Now, what I mean going down in value, going down in value against. Everything else around you, the desk, the computer, you, but, but that's not what they look at. They say, well, what do you mean? It's actually unchanged or it's actually up against the euro. That's not what I'm talking about because the euro guys are doing the same thing. I'm talking about just in terms of, of your currency's value. Well, now all of a sudden in the last three, four weeks, we seem to be going it alone with this bank, banking crisis. We're pouring money into the system, but nobody else is. So now we're seeing the, you know, the, the pound go from 103 to 109. I mean, I'm sorry, the pound go from 117 to 124 and the euro go from 103 to 109. That's a 5 or 6% move. So anybody over in Europe that held a dollar is now down 5% against the, the, the euro. That's a, it's, it's a big loss in, in what, eight weeks, Lou? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's one of the reasons why the, um, well, the Europeans alternately love us or hate us, depending on what our fiscal policy is, because it has such a significant impact on the on the relative value of their currencies. And it, it it's it's why, Chief, you're seeing stories like uh, just came out what was it yesterday, where you know Iran and Saudi Arabia are are meeting in Beijing to to try to resolve their differences, because the the Chinese have are working actively to supplant uh, the dollar with uh, what is it the uh, yuan uh, as, a, as an international trading standard and 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 moving moving to do that and they're getting a receptive audience because because countries like Saudi Arabia who are are have feel they have been slapped in the face by this administration um, they're they're looking around and saying we don't we, we don't want to be tied to the dollar anymore it's too political the, the United States is is not acting in an intelligent way with its own economy, and and it's dragging the rest of us with it. So we don't want to do that anymore. I, I would say that the well, I would never do this. Uh, I couldn't do this, Lou. If if they hired me as a consultant, I could make that argument for the Chinese very well. Of how, course. How can you trust these people twenty years from now? The reason the reason why people hang on to the dollar. It's not because they like their policy. It's not because they like Reagan. It's not because they liked anybody. The fact is, the dollar was solid. And you're an idiot not to, not to, not to pin your, your, your fortune on the dollar compared to any other currency in the world. You're an absolute moron to not do that. 
Now going forward, you can say, hey, look, these guys don't even seem to care about their own dollar. Why, why, why are you going to say that 20 years from now, the way things are going with the, with the not just this administration, Trump was just as bad, and Obama was, you know, he didn't care about it either. Uh, if, they, if, if, if it's not, if it's no longer a policy of the U.S. to have a, not, not a strong dollar in, 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 in case of, uh, in relation to other currencies, but a solid dollar in relation to the oil we're buying from it, or the stuff that's being, why would you want to transact oil only in dollars if next year the dollar could be 20% more in the system? Why would you yes. ever want to do that? Uh, it, it, makes, it makes no sense. Moreover, right. and, and this, this goes to the point that you were making before the break, the Chinese can point to a, a not-so-subtle shift in hard power, that is military power, yeah. and say, you know what, the, the United States is, is, is looking more and more like a paper tiger. Uh, their weapon systems are old, their army is, is focused on stupid stuff rather than fighting wars. Uh, they're focused on diversity, inclusiveness, and equity uh, in their training programs. They can't recruit because of it. Um, their their population is soft. Uh, they they are not they are not going to be able to project the kind of hard power necessary to protect the influence of that dollar. And and you know it it, it translates directly into I think international trade. I mean we have oh sure it does. We have maintained an international world order. Uh, for the last 50, 60 years, uh, it, that that with with keeping the sea lanes open and making sure nobody you know becomes regionally crazy, because it was to our it was to our our best interest, our national interest to do so, and uh, our our failure to recognize that and our our unwillingness to do what it takes to to maintain that uh, sends a very clear message to the rest of the world, and and I I I, I agree with your I agree with your potential clients assessment that uh, you know without the hard power backing it up our soft power is is not nearly as effective well but if you I think if, we're seeing that now. but if you're if you can't if you can't control your dollar and, and your and your and your strategy is we need 50 more new tanks let's just print the money and build them well all of a sudden you, what you're what you're gaining there you're losing some other place you can't, well, right, you can't, and, you and the idea that. that we'll just print more money, we'll just print more money and buy more weapon systems. Well, all that does is drive the cost of the weapon systems up. Yeah, and you're still you're not getting any more. You're just, you're, I mean, this all hangs together, Lou, and I, and I, and I think there's a lot of people out there who recognize they don't necessarily know how it all hangs together. I'm not, I'm not saying I do either, but they realize that if you if you if you're a total screw up in one area, you, you're gonna you're probably not gonna be cool in another area, right? I mean, you either you either are competent or you're not. I mean, I, I, yes. And yeah, I, yeah. And and I. So so this is you know this this is the issue that that foreign policy analysts look at and and say, all right, where where is our window of where's our window of opportunity and where's our window of vulnerability, and and I mean one of our major windows of vulnerability, and I say this as somebody who was in the you know in the gap of that vulnerability. Was was in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Um, we were militarily our hard power was was at a, its may, perhaps its nadir um, in terms of our ca- capacity and capability versus the threat that we were that we were facing. And and there were a, there were a lot of us uh, on active duty at that time who who listened to our our lead 
uh, people telling us, get just psychologically prepare yourself for a major shooting war in Europe, because it, 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 if the Soviets are paying attention right now, this is their this is their window of, of opportunity, which coincides perfectly with the fact that our all volunteer force was was in bad shape. Our weapon systems were in bad shape. We had exhausted our national will in Vietnam, um, and 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 we were at a we were at a very vulnerable position right then. Um, and and we you know we turned it around. We turned it around very quickly. But uh, you know I see us I see us in that position now. And and more importantly, I see that that China and I uh, the Chinese uh, looking around and saying you know. Our demographics are, are not in our favor, and we look at the United States starting to ramp back up again with its weapon systems, and we've been buying like mad for the last 10 years. They have not. Um, we, ha we can project power probably effectively against Taiwan for the next, uh, you know, maybe the next 10 to 15 years. And, and within that within that time frame, before, before Japan rearms and before the U.S. rearms, we, we're going to have to do something. Now, Counterbalancing that is is the China, uh, I think their political uh, perspective, which is very long term. That you know the best battle that that you can that you can win, or the best the best military victories are the ones you don't have to fight. And so, to the extent that they can leverage themselves into a position of power using a combination of the threat of hard power, which is very real because of their capabilities right now. And the the use of their soft power, their incredible cash reserves, uh, to the to the extent they can leverage those two elements into bending countries to their to their will, I mean they'll do that all day long. The only problem with that, Lou, is 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 messed up as we've become. And I'm not I'm not becoming a, a you know self flagellant like a lot of people are about the U.S. And I think we can turn this bus around. We always have been able to, but we need to do some stuff. As bad as as bad as we are, there's no way we're we're as bad on our money and on our loans and on our and our our currencies than the Chinese are. I mean, they that, they, they are absolutely in a world by them, themselves. And I don't know I don't know how how they get out of their mess. I mean, I, I well, get us out of ours a lot easier. I get them out of theirs. And again, again, I you know don't make the mistake of looking at at their thought process the way we would. They right. may not they may not think about getting out of the mess. You know, that's they're, true. They're, oh, I agree. They're a communist dictatorship. They can they can say, you know what, we're not paying you anymore. Go to hell. What I'm saying is, you know? I, 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 I sort of skip back. There's a million topics within this topic, so I I I, I apologize for what I did. Was I, I'm talking about? There's one thing on the military side. I'm with you 100. percent I'm saying, but I think even though I could make an argument that you can't trust the dollar going forward, given what we've done in the last 20 years. I also I could never make the argument that you could trust the Rwan. I mean, yes. I, I mean, on a relative scale, there's no comparison. I don't. No, think. no, there's not. And yet, and, and and yet, Chief, you you know that Chinese investment in Africa has gotten in South in, uh, Latin and South America has gotten to the point where they are literally buying up, you know, national infrastructure uh, for these various countries. But Russell and, says and, there nobody's paying. It's it's a big fiasco for him in a lot of ways. Although well, the I, loans I, are not, I, nobody's paying. Yeah, I I hope so. I hope so. I would, I, I would, I would think that that they're going to run into the same problems in foreign investment in those regions as we did, and that's why we don't invest there anymore. Well, in 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 the old days, uh, well, of course, this wasn't. Well, I don't know. I guess some of it was on the continent of Africa, but 
the old days when, when Pullman was doing some stuff through Kellogg, because uh, Kellogg was owned by Pullman those days, we we did a lot of we Pullman did a lot of stuff through the Import Export Bank, but they were careful enough to be a refinery that that was going to make money. Uh, was a maybe it was a water treatment plant that had its own taxing. We did, there was a lot of projections of U.S. I guess influence using the Export Import Bank early on because Pullman was really good at using that. Well, some days we'll have, we'll have Robin back on because she was part of that. She at, at uh, Pullman, she was one of the treasurers that used to work with the Export Import Bank for these places. And I don't think we, I don't think they got stiffed on any one of these things, Lou. I think they got paid back as a refinery once it was up, made dough. The water treatment plant made dough. I mean, they they they, they didn't just say, well. We'll build you a road and let the. I don't think the government was ever their government was ever involved. It was always you. You owe us money from the refinery, not just we'll we'll build you a port and hope the dictator decides to send us a check. I mean, Chinese. I don't think are near as clever about it as we were back in those days. We were pretty good at it, from what I understand. Yeah, I. I, I mean, all of this, all of this worked, as I said, in a, to our to our national interest. In terms of what we were willing to, to protect and what we were willing to, to shelter, and um, it it was just a recognition that our economy, our people are going to do better if if they have unfettered access to to you know uh, good services uh, across the world, and other countries are going. I'm speaking very generically, obviously, and that and that will benefit if other countries have the have the same the same concept. Um, or, or op- can operate under the same concept. I, I don't. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I, I mean, one of the things that that you know, you and I had long talks about tariffs when when yeah. we we started trying to impose that. I, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I think I think it's become politically. I think it's become politically popular, and maybe this is an element of populism to say you know America first, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna build all that stuff here. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm generally in favor of a national economic policy that that promotes strategic things like chip manufacturing and, well, and medical. Well, you and I are, are are kind of old school on this, not because we were we weren't alive during World War II, okay? But we've read enough about it, and we realize what, when you when your mentality of a country goes too far one way versus the other, you end up with a problem, and it, and, and there's always. But for every reaction, action, there's always an equal and opposite reaction, right? Basic physics. And the young people, like, look, you look at the, how, I mean, how does the, the election in Chicago fit in? A real lot of younger people and a lot of people that, you know, are, they look at somehow, you know, the old white guys are all wrong. They've always been wrong. They got this money. They didn't deserve it. They didn't really work for it, which is all BS. And, oh, by the way, it's up now for us to take it from them and give them to other people because that's the way things ought to be. Well, there was a lot of that going around in the in the 30s before. I mean, and they say, what, why? You know, and Trump brought a lot of this out. Why? Why should we be paying for Japan's defense? Why should we be paying for some of Euro's, Europe's defense? The reason why we did that, Lou, and, and you try try to have a conversation with somebody about it. We wanted to do that. We wanted to be in control. Reason why we wanted to have a base on Okinawa where, where we could protect that part of the Pacific that Japan just happened to be in. We weren't that worried about Japan. We we're worried about our our trade, our our trade with all the places. We wanted the world open for trade, and the only way yes. we can figure out doing it is for us to do it. Because if we back off, look what happens. 
all these other yeah, idiots well, come we, to the fore. We already see what ha- we saw yeah. what happened in Eastern Europe, and that was the wake-up call. Yeah, we, we and I mean, one of the great one of the great successes of American political policy was the ability of of our leadership at post World War II. To, to basically take a nation that was exhausted and wanted to do something else and wanted to turn itself inwards and say no we have to do the Marshall Plan we have to we have to shore up Korea we have to do this other stuff because because it's in our national long term interest right. to do so well the uh, the U S in after World War II uh, granted I mean I don't know I mean I don't I, when I lost an uncle there I never met I mean it was it was huge problems for individual families. Okay, obviously we lost people. We had, you know, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people had, they used to call it battle fatigue. Now, now what's it called? It's a post, post-stress syndrome or something. something. Post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder. Used to be battle fatigue. Same thing, though, right, Lou? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but So you had that going for you, but out of, out of all, I don't think there's ever been a war fought anywhere in the history of man, maybe some in Rome, where the country economically came out of it stronger than before. Because of all the inventions and because of the people who are making money here in the factories, we had nobody had the world like by the tail like the U.S. after World War II. Every other country, even the even the victors, were were flat on their ass. I mean, I mean France didn't look chief, so hot. Chief, yeah. chief, the Brits didn't stop food rationing until sometime in like the middle 1950s. Yeah, yeah. We we and we came out of that. There, there's nobody that was so far ahead of anybody else in the world like we, we were after World War II. I mean, in terms of economics, now granted, we're licking a lot of wounds, and a lot of fathers weren't back, and a lot of women weren't back. I mean, there was, there was all kinds of issues. But on a relative scale, has anybody else been been higher on the totem pole than we were after World War II? No, and 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 again, it was a measure of our national character that we we immediately looked around and said, we're going to have to make more sacrifices. We're going to have to pull Europe up. We're going to have to stabilize those those economies, uh, and and oh by the way, we're going to have to deal with you know we're going to have to deal with North Korean aggression and in Stalin. military sense and Stalin, yeah and Stalin, yeah, yeah. I mean we 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 buckled down, and I I I think that's still that character is still there. I absolutely believe. I believe that. it is too. But I, somehow we got to dash a little bit. I, I you know boy, for a guy who didn't didn't go in the army, I suppose people could. Could shoot at me for saying this. Hopefully, water balloons and not bullets. But I, I think we need, and especially some of these areas in the city, we need some sort of a, a national service thing, just to get young people out. I won't say away from their phones, but I almost want to say that. Just Tom, to, you, Tom, you have heard me say before, and and you can look this up. The most successful high schools in Chicago are the J. Rotsey program high schools. Now, do they other than the college prep schools? Well, do do they get? Those kids out of Chicago for six weeks in the summertime, or no? If they have that, I think you need to do that. They do something like that. They they have they have training camps or uh, uh, you know field field training where they take them out in the field. See, I don't, but I don't, I don't care. I, would, I mean, to me, I, I don't care. I mean, if we stuck Andrew in there, he's probably a little too old. I, I mean, after maybe a, a, a four weeks of you know basic training, here's a push up, here's a gun. I, I wouldn't care if, if if one kid says this isn't for me, and he plants trees for the rest of the time. I mean, I mean I'm not trying to force everybody to be a soldier. I'm just saying, whatever it is, I think we need a little dose of getting along with other people, learning not to shoot at other people, learning to, as my stepfather said in the army, you learn how to accomplish things with people that you don't like, 
Yeah, absolutely. And you learn and you learn to be part of something bigger than yourself. And, but it doesn't have to be army. It could be national park service. I mean, I don't care. I, I just like I think we need to do something like that instead of just complaining about the place. I, you know, whatever. Anyway, Lou, take care. Are you uh, are you skiing still, or it's got? Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, they're still skiing. In fact, I just got a notice on my Epic Pass that uh, that uh, they've extended the uh, the resorts at a couple of spots. But no, I'm not uh, not skiing anytime soon. Even we're gonna hit, we're gonna be in the 80s next week. Wow, I've, I've skied when it was when it was really warm and it's kind of slushy. It's kind of weird. I wasn't really big on it, but hard on the knees. Uh, yeah. SP futures up three. Nancy futures down 21. Be right back, Mr. Dan, Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up three. Nancy Futures down 17. Do we have Mr. Dan? I'll, I'll tell him where yes. I, saw, I saw your name this morning here. I don't know if you saw this or not. Did you see the uh, the, 25, uh, the world's richest 25 people lost $200 billion last year? Jeff Bezos' net worth fell the most. And they listed the top 10 people in the world. This is bad. We don't even know some of these people. Who the hell's Bernard Arnault and family? 
I didn't see that. <laughs> his, his source of wealth is LVMH. is a French company. His, right. net, his net worth is $211 billion. I haven't heard of the guy's name. That's bad. Number two is Elon Musk. Three, Jeff Bezos, because he's down a bunch, but still uh, still up there. Uh, Larry Ellison. Oracle hasn't done squat for 20 years, and still the guy's up there. He must have an awful lot of that stock. Uh, Warren Buffett. Bill Gates. Uh, Michael Bloomberg. I w- I, then, then your buddy, Carlos Slim. <laughs> that guy's still around. Then here's another guy, uh, Mukesh Ambani. He's only got $84 billion. He's with Reliance Industries in India. And then Balmer's uh, got eighty some eighty billion from uh, Microsoft, and it says honorable mention. See Lou Michaels, Carl Denninger, and Dan Janitas. <laughs> I didn't know you guys were all doing I, that I well. Pre- I appreciate the honorable mention, but I'm a long, long way from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just you know, five billion is nothing to sneeze at. You know, you guys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's uh, interesting stuff. Uh, I uh, I don't know if you were, were listening earlier. I was. I was I asking Lou about. Uh, I was talking to some people yesterday, and they have have money. You know, and, and you and I. Well, you bring it out because I don't know the answers. I ask you the international money flows from the interest stuff and everything, and how. Anyway, these guys were, were saying yesterday that the people around the world are getting are, are losing confidence in the U.S.'s ability to maintain the value of the dollar, not just against other currencies, but against regular stuff. Uh, you know, like the Saudis don't really want to lose thirty uh, percent on their on their on their dollar uh, holdings for the next three years, like they did the last three years. Uh, I'm not talking about stock or anything like that. I'm talking about just against real stuff. That's what the inflation's been. They he says that we're we're, we're losing not just this administration, but a series of them Rest around the world's kind of pissed off because the dollar is no longer as sacred as it used to be and uh and they think we better stop it or it's it's going to lead to you know oil being done in other currencies and a lot of other stuff i mean what's your feeling that i mean you, you see a lot of these flows back and forth more than i do yeah there's, there's a lot there's, there is a lot of talk like that and but still at the same time there's a lot of investment like you're saying there's still a lot of money coming here and ironically despite the fact that there's many people who you know? Who do are looking at you know what, some instability that we've seen here in the United States over the past you know, X number of years? There's also a lot of those same people putting money into tre- the Treasury market because they see it as the safe haven. So there's still I I believe they're still viewing the U.S. as the you know the place that they follow. So if if there's uncertainty or instability. Um, that's gonna. That doesn't necessarily mean they're taking money out all the time. But what we've seen recently, um, and really just since the first of this year, is a crazy amount of money moving in and out of treasuries. So foreigners that you know have always been a big part of the investor base for U.S. treasuries, and they generally come in as a safe haven. But I think to your point that there's this. You know, there's some concerns as to, you know, say, for example, the bank situation or, um, you know, other issues here. Um, money, money is moving more quickly and more frequently than it has in the past. It's not been a, you know, put all this money into the treasury market and hold it. Um, it's been a more, you know, the people are doing it often. Foreigners are doing it opportunistically based on what they're hearing and seeing here in the United States. But yeah, I think there is a uh, generally um, a concern, and also part of that too, Tom. I think has happened over the years because 
of media and the spread of media and the spread of a lot of uh, voices in the media. Um, YouTube, I use as an example, where you know we have freedom of speech, so people can say whatever they want, and what they're hearing overseas isn't necessarily what's really happening here. Just as what we're hearing overseas doesn't necessarily equate to what's going on there. So, as you know, as investment people, we really have to scrub through a lot of the of, of those. Um, uh, you know a lot of the information to find out what's really going on. I think I've mentioned for us what really helps is talking to the senior management of companies and asking, hey, what's really going on overseas? You know, is it really as difficult as as we hear getting help in in your manufacturing plants in Asia or in Europe? Um, you know, if another good example will be what happened this past winter. I mean, we were hearing all kinds of stories about how, how horrible things were, were going to be in. Uh, Europe and and Europeans seem to come through it pretty well, and now there's this interest in you know we've even added a European credit fund to our mix. Um, Europeans were really concerned, but I think people here in the U.S. and some media and maybe some YouTubers were were making it seem like it was going to be the end of the world for them. So, combination of things, um, not necessarily anything new. I think there's just more information um, and more concerns. Certainly having a you know an ex-president you know in the spotlight doesn't help. Um, but again, I think for those of us who live here and really know that that whole experience is is very, very, very unlikely to have an impact on our economy. It's just it's news that's out there that's getting a lot of the headlines, but it's not news that's going to impact what the Fed does next week. Well, there's uh, when you say about the news, Dan, I- and I want to talk more about some companies today because I think you got some good ones. But when you talk about the news, I that sort of works both ways. And yes. you know, you know what kind of surprises me is I'm getting this feeling. Well, let me start from the beginning. I, I think you and I agree that anybody who had money in their mattress or you know, but 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 the bonds uh, that you and I wouldn't have bought. I mean, and I understand. It, I, I have this. Well, I've had this argument since argument discussion since we talked last week with like five other people these banks are idiots to buy these things i go you don't understand trillions of dollars came out somebody had to buy them it's one thing for dan and i or another trader to say we're not buying them for our clients we have the freedom to do that but somebody somebody had to buy them insurance companies have to buy stuff every week i mean they they don't they don't have the, they don't have the ability like you and i do to say i'm going to wait a year till the rates come back up they, they're, they're, they're somehow forced into doing this because, because of their side. That, that's another whole argument. But I'm, but I'm saying you don't ever hear, except maybe on this show by some knucklehead like me, that anybody who had their money in the bank or had their $100 bills stuffed in their dresser is down 30% on value in the last three years, or 25 to 30, 25 if you want to be nice about it. And you never hear that. Okay, but, but we sort of we, we absorb that blow because the whole world was doing the same thing. The whole world was pumping money in to deal with the COVID. I don't agree with the policy, but it happened, okay? And, and, it, and it sort of should be over. And I think, like Nancy says, being alive and being human is you take the hit and you keep on going. <laughs> that, that, you know, that, that's being human, right? But I, I am stunned, and I think that a lot of people are stunned that the response to this, I'm going to call piss-ass, banking thing in terms of these two two banks that probably should have you know been dealt with a while ago at least the one in Silicon Valley because it was such an odd bank 
uh, that that caused the Treasury or the Fed to put $400 billion back into the system. It's totally uncoordinated with anybody around the rest of the world. You've seen massive moves in the dollar in the last five weeks since they've done this. I think the rest of the world is absolutely shocked that we are not, we're not talking about a COVID here, that our response to anything is going to be to pour money in the system and to save certain people. I think that, that, that's become a fart heard smelled around the world right now. It really is. I mean, that we can't have, I mean, I, am I overestimating this or not? But that's all I heard about with these guys I talked to yesterday is all, all we're doing is pouring money in the system. It, nobody can trust the dollar now because it, it, it's, it's not coordinated. It's our response to, like I said, a, a couple of small banks. I, I think that's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. It, it, it's a response to a lot of things, and 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 it seems that that it's been a response because of the the decision makers. They're they're you know in the situation have have said for for the last few years, we're just going to throw money at it. We're going to throw money at it, and I keep hearing that, and I keep thinking inflation, and I keep thinking you know prolonged issues like uh, with uh, labor. I keep thinking. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. It's not the solution, especially for these one-off situations. I think that, you know, there, there's the, the experts have even come out to, to say that this, these situations were mismanagement and they don't really reflect what's going on in the banking system as a whole. And I think there are people out there that are trying to stir the pot, but putting more money in is not really the solution. I think getting better management and, you know, there are going to be some banks that win and some that don't, and they're going to win in various environments. It's not just a, ri- a rise in interest rate environment. It has a lot more to do with risk management and having the right people in place than it does, um, you know, trying to blame, say, what the Fed is doing or, uh, you know, some other force. And, and you're right, the solution isn't to pour m- more money in it. That's That's what we're trying to not do now. We're in the contractionary part of the cycle we don't pour more money in every time there's a bank that fails this is not a systemic issue like we had in 2008 and i don't believe it's going to be even if we get another quarter basis point hike so not the time right now to be to be um doing that because then you start thinking at a, looking at other sectors of the economy that that have been challenged you know, over the last few years, and then do they deserve it as well? I mean, and, and then it keeps going and going. And I think if, I think the answer is is for companies to continue to focus on their balance sheets, to focus on their operations. And you know, as much as this sounds very capitalistic, this is a you know our our um, our our system is set up here. A financial system is set up here, so everyone gets a turn and everyone has a chance. But they're going to be winners and they're going to be losers. And the winners are the ones that you want to invest in. Well, yeah. But, Dan, what last policy question before we start talking about some companies. What what would be the problem in getting a guy like you, because you talk better than me, of getting all the, you know, a bunch of, you know, 500 bank people in a room and say, okay, look, we all know <laughs> that we all have U.S. bonds and, and maybe, you know, they, I don't think they can, good capital is, uh, any kind of other bonds, but let's just say U.S. bonds. We all know we've got some of these things, and now they're worth twenty percent less than they were when we bought them. If they're tw- you know thirty year, twenty year, you know the five year, we we can work with those. The two years, let's not worry about those. Just like you talk about all the time, well, we keep your duration risk, and and say you know what, because of that, we're we're not going to die because of this, but why not raise the the, the reserve requirement up to ten or fifteen percent from zero and say that's how we're going to deal with it. We're just going to make the banks 
lend out just a little less over the next 10 years till all this is fixed up. Why, this is not that hard. It's, it's not a mortal wound. It's, it's, a, it's, a, flesh, it's a flesh wound. It's going to go away. Why can't it's going to go away, yeah. Why, why can't we just raise the... T- why do we need a, a reserve requirement of zero knowing that everybody's got a hole in their balance sheet? Why don't you just reserve the reserve, raise the reserve requirement, fix it that way? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm on your side on that one. I, I, I totally agree. There's, there's no reason to, um, to, to keep pouring money into something that um, is fixable and also is not broken throughout the system. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a fine balance, you know, the, and, and, you know you, you, when you're thinking about the, you know, the depositors and the creditors um, from their point of view, but it also takes a lot of due diligence, and that's like what we do. We do due diligence yeah. on companies. I certainly would do due diligence before putting money in. But just because of the nature of our system, there are going to be some that fail. There are going to be some that aren't managed as well, don't have the best best management teams. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be a little bit of uh, you know fraud or, or I don't know what you want to call it, but that's just somewhat part of human nature unfortunately and you got to look at those as sort of your and put them in your bad debt account you know if you look at your portfolio and hopefully you've done your homework and have stayed away from those by what we do getting to know management and and just yeah i really think that that this can be avoided but it doesn't necessarily need to be funded or supported well, well dan you know i think the vis- uh, the visitor the listeners should know that one of the groups i, I do business with uses dan as their fixed income uh, yes, and I, I don't even have to look. I mean, I, I think I have the capability of Dan because I'm the investment officer, but I don't have to look and see if Dan's got 30-year treasuries out there. I know he would never do. I don't, why would I even have to look? I know, I know it's Dan. He would never screw up like that. But you know, but that isn't the isn't the same as saying every bank's going to have some of it, right? And uh, but I mean, you, you're going to you you've wandered your way around this bump in the road <laughs> to a, to a huge extent, right? But you didn't take the easy way out and just buy buy a long term treasure and say that's it. Where's my fee? Right, and you're right, and that's where that's. I mean, it's work, you know, and that's what we do. And and we're, you know, we're paid to manage risk, and and we need to understand the risk that we're that we're taking. As anybody anybody who has, is managing other people's money, if you will, needs to understand where all the risks are in the worst case scenario. And if you don't understand that, you really should be looking for another job. Or you should start learning it, you know, well, one, or, one or the other. But there's some people that treat other people's money one way, and there's other people that treat it another way. Uh, yeah, and that's true. <laughs> I mean, there is a, you know, we are in a profession, and it's possible to, to come to the same place. But it, but it is still very important to manage risk. Oh, absolutely. And to understand what the, you know, the, and that that is something that I think can go by the, maybe has gone by the wayside. And I agree with what you're saying is it's not just put it over here and sit in it. You really got to watch it. So much is happening so quickly that what you consider a really safe investment may not be. So what do we do when I tell the analysts to work for me? Once you've followed a, a stock or a bond, you own that as long as you're here at Paradise Capital. And that means keeping up on all the news, um, talking to the company frequently, doing earnings calls. Th- things can change very quickly in what could be a very stable company, what could be perceived initially it's very important to stay on top of things. Your, your job does not stop once you've made that investment decision. Once you've added that bond, what you know, the thirty-year bond to the portfolio, you need to watch that very carefully. I mean, that's no matter what investment you make, 
you have to continue to monitor it on a daily basis. And the good news about today's technology is we can get news flashes on our phones if we're in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, and not that that's what we want, but all the time if we're on vacation. But but there's no excuse. What uh, has the last, I'll say, six weeks with the uh, that you and I were of a birds of a feather and thinking that even though we have a very uncomfortable price level that's causing and to cause problems for years to come. I think both of us thought that the actual rate of inflation had slowed pretty dramatically. Uh, now, do you think the last six weeks in the saving these banks is going to get another another push to the inflation rate? I, I think it might, but boy, I hope I'm wrong. It might in a in a small way, like or for a short period of time, I should say. You could see a little bit of a of a bump, but I think the bump is still there, and I think the inflation is still there in certain aspects of the economy. I do think. Uh, Chair Powell did a good job in, in really isolating where it's coming from, and they, what he referred to as non-housing non-housing services. So I don't know whether the, you know. I want to use an example that I think some people can relate to. Maybe not a lot of people in Chicago, but certainly here in Florida, we you know think think about not only a contractor but a pool service person. And just this week, I had I had to um, let go. I had a fantastic pool guy. That would come once a week and and do, did a terrific job. Well, they've raised, they've increased their monthly fee twice, and suddenly the good the good guy leaves, and we have somebody that spends two minutes, and the pool is dirtier than when he got here. Point being, you're paying more for less service, and you know, talking to a number of the pool companies looking for for a replacement, they're all having the same issue. It's finding help, having to pay more to get that that job done. And it's a job, you know, it's something that most people need. So in those areas, we continue to see prices staying high and continuing to go up as the labor pool dries up or, or better still, labor pool does not increase. You know, we don't, we don't see more and more people looking to work. We see a limited number of people and some of it is where we are geographically, but, it, but a lot of it is really just this sort of change in, in sentiment about working. And I really think that is what has to change. We kind of have to get back to hard work is good and work hard and make money, work hard and afford, <clears throat> you know, afford your <clears throat> nicer car or your house or a family or whatever it is that your goal is, your vacation. Or And I think that that somewhat got lost during the period of COVID. And it really, we really need to get back there because that has what, has sustained our, our um, economy here in the U.S. And I think that's a, it's part of our culture that we, that we really, many of us, don't want to lose. I would agree with that. And I also think that a lot of what uh, is happening, like Kevin called me last weekend complaining about his $119 uh, oil change. He's like, where, where did that come from? <laughs> it used to be like 70 bucks or 65 bucks. And I think part of the people that are, that are leaving some of these jobs, uh, Dan, I mean, I, you know, I talked to some of them, but... I'll bet that the good pool guy, so when the prices of cleaning the pool went up, some other place just snapped them up because Absolutely. Man, I know that this, this, you know this, this Thai restaurant that Audrey and I go to and a uh, family owned but they had a cook, and the guy's uh, guy goes well the the, the 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 cook quit and left and the guy goes and I've seen you know they're 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 not they're not gouging but they're you know prices are sneaking up so your average dinners you know it used to be twelve now it's sixteen and it's not not that horrible. And uh, but it's you know it's whatever it's twenty five percent in two years a lot, 
So, uh, and I, I get it. You know, the, the lease is up. There, all this stuff's up. So the guy goes. So now the guy's basically pumping out. How many dinners can one of those guys do? Probably, if you're good at it, you probably can pump out 25, 30 dinners if you had to in an hour, right? Or maybe 20. So the guy's sitting there going, "Wait a minute! There's two hundred, three hundred fifty dollars worth of stuff I'm pumping out here." The guy goes, "I just, I just gave him a big raise, and I didn't want to say from where to where." He goes, but he out peeped. He goes, "We just raised them up from like twelve fifty to seventeen, and I'm going, <laughs> you're, you're not even close, right? You're not uh, even close. I agree. I, I bet some other guy, if he's if he's that fast making uh, any kind of food, and he's at, and he's doing good because the guy was really good. I bet he's making thirty five somewhere else. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to guess your pool guy got snapped up by another pool guy because." He saw the prices that you're paying doubling, and he saw his salary going up by 10%. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, and unfortunately, you know, a sign of a good manager is a manager that recognizes talent. It doesn't matter where the talent is. You want to yeah. you want to support, encourage, nurture that talent, and you want to give them the opportunity to move up, not only in, you know, responsibility, if that's what they want, but certainly um, with their compensation, because... If, if a good pool person can get two houses done in, in a half hour and yeah. you've got two happy people, why have one that come in or try to do three houses and have three three unhappy people? So, yeah, it, that's the way it works. I do have some names I wanted yes. to mention um, Please do. from the conference. And they're actually – these are what I would consider names that will perform well as the market goes up. One of them I've already mentioned. These are these are small cap stocks. I've met with the management teams recently of all these companies. Um, recently, meaning in the last week, we've been following them for a while. I, I, we definitely have a buy recommendation on them. Uh, Rel Electronics is the one that's based in Illinois, about an hour from you guys. Um, that that's a um, firm that is a family business, um, very well run, great management team. Some of what they make go into, uh, you know, the the end products for EVs and other, you know, clean energy. Uh, so it sort of has that, you this, know. This is W E L L, right? This W E L L. R E L L. R E L. Okay. Another one that I really like, and this is a this is a company called the Alamo Group, ticker symbol A L G. And again, we're talking about the stock, a small cap stock based in Texas, but it was started by a Chicago guy who got his, who got his start um, in manufacturing of industrial um, equipment, meaning, um, you know, uh, trucks and, 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 and street cleaners and, um, uh, you know, snow plows and those kind of things. Well, they also have a vegetation business and they focus on on you know like the the equipment that cleans up say after storms or mowing equipment for large uh, you know for large areas so they 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 do have they do compete a little bit with a deer or a caterpillar but the particular um, the particular um, uh, vehicles that they produce and manufacture are unique and are, are, are somewhat recession resistant like a snow snow plow or, or a mower and but what really fascinates me about this company is the management team absolutely terrific management team a guy that I would work for just from from you know from our discussions with him he has a um, a real puts a real importance on his employees compensating those employees just like we were talking about who work harder 
you know, providing a work environment that's um, that's friendly, but also, you know, that he encourages teamwork. It's just a good, solid little company that has a lot of analysts giving it a, a very strong buy rating right now. The stock has fallen from 185 down to 165. Good time to get in. All right, so Dan. We gotta, we're going to have to dash here, but I like that one. We, this one out here, next time you're in town, if you go see those guys, maybe I'll go with. Of course, maybe you don't want me to go Absolutely, with yeah. No, absolutely. That's a, that's that's in the, in the works right now. Right, because we haven't seen you in too long. It's COVID. Uh, we got a lot of people we haven't seen in too long, I think. Yeah, well, we're, we're um, yeah, I'm definitely looking at the plans to get out there again soon. So we'll we'll certainly be in touch with well, that. I'd love, I'd love to have you in studio and everything. It'd be cool. You'd sit the whole two hours. It'd be cool. It'd be great. We'll do that. All right, buddy. Talk to you next week. Have a happy Easter or whatever. Happy Easter. Or whatever your or whichever whichever religion you're going. Have a have a good one. <laughs> futures now down six. Nasdaq futures Nasdaq futures down fifty two. You're right, Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamara Andrew on the board. SP Futures down three and a quarter now. Nasdaq Futures down 43. Um, Dow Futures up 17. So we're just kind of ducking down here a little bit. Not a lot, but... Market looks seems to have lost some momentum the last few days. So, I'm sure what 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 is causing that? But it certainly doesn't look like it did last week when it was up up and away. Uh, DAX up forty four point three percent. FTSE up fifty two point seven. CAC around up fourteen point two. So, Europe has been buoyant, uh, more so than us the last few days. Nikkei down three forty one point two percent. Hang Seng up fifty six point two two eight. These guys have calmed down a little bit the last couple of days. Or and it's zeroing in at this little over 20,000, 20,331. Shanghai up seven cents, call that flat at 3312. Uh, Yesterday, a little bit of a mixed bag with the Dow up 80. Mostly those were the healthcare stuff. Uh, SP was down 10, NASDAQ down 129. It's a full 1% in the NASDAQ. Uh, Bands, 10 years down one basis point, 3.28. The Bund down four basis points, 2.14. Japan uh, unchanged at 0.47. We've got oil. Needs the big run up here seems to have stopped as well. We're back down to up six cents today, but we're back down to 80, 80 67 So that's not that high, but certainly no way nowhere near the 120 it reclaims it's going. Uh, Brent up 12 cents, 85.11. Natural gas down a penny, 213. We've got gold uh, down 330, but still 2,032 above 2,000. Obviously, silver up four cents, 25.08. Copper up a penny, four uh, four dollars even. We've got crypto. Now, 283 bucks is a Bitcoin, 27,946, and the U.S. dollar is uh, actually is up amazingly slightly, uh, not even not even like 5,000. So the euro is still 109, and we've still got the, uh, the the British pound at 1.246. So relatively low on the dollar in the last four or five weeks. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi? Weather Sports. All right, it is a uh, 7:36 here in Chicago on April the 6th. Starting off with sports, yesterday the Sox won over the Giants, ending their game 7-3. And the Cubs were going to play the Reds, but that game was postponed due to two hours of rainy weather. Uh, so that game is going to be played all the way over in September 1st. Uh, moving over to basketball, yesterday the Bulls lost to the, excuse me, lost to the Bucks, ending their game 105-92. And to Chicago weather, it is currently 35 degrees. Very clear and sunny skies right now. Going to have a high of 53 degrees today. Over in Phoenix, they're at 46 degrees, mostly clear skies, and they're going to have a high of 80. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic. Uh, looks like, thankfully, again, same as the first hour, uh, no major accidents to report. However, the traffic has definitely, definitely built uh, from the last time. The north coming in from the northbound side, uh, McKennedy, you're expecting some delays all the way from Austin, basically all the way to Greenview Avenue, but that could go all the way to downtown. Uh, so just expect pretty heavy delays, and even it looks like if you're leaving on the Stevenson today, you're going to have a lot of delays. Maybe there was an accident earlier, but that's a lot of red on the Stevenson. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Mr. Flanagan, how are you? Do we have John? Can you hear me? I can hear you. What? Uh, so the the the, the sack drawer took precedent last night. You were a no show again. Uh, it was one of those days, Tom. I won't bore you with details. <laughs> oh God, you you were out uh, you were out working for the election. No, that was the day before. 
I was uh, was just watching from, oh, from good. the you know, sidelines. Oh, God. Crazy stuff, huh? Um, hey, uh, this is a way of uh, uh, housekeeping here. Even though there's the employment reports tomorrow, the, the markets are closed. So we, won't, we will not have a show. We don't have a show when, when the markets are closed. However, on Monday, I would hope that Mr. Flanagan yields a few minutes to, uh, uh, to Carl because one of the biggest things we do every month is our labor report. So of course, on, sure. on Monday we'll talk about that. Plus, we always want your opinion on, on the labor report. Oh, you might go back to work. Just saying. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Time. Yes, yes. It's the uh, um, Dan Janitas was saying they need they need pool cleaners down in Florida. I don't see. Yeah, you, I, I don't see you hitching up that. the truck. Uh, I'm not ready. I don't know if I'm ready to do time, that. Time yet. to learn a new trade. I think. You know? Well, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'd be the guy that wants to kick the alligator out of the pool. I mean, that would not be my. <laughs> chosen profession there's got to be a way to do that but i don't know if i'm if i'm the guy to do it just saying uh anyway you i think you've been probably listening in with uh with lou and dan and talking about these you know kind of international money flows that happen when the fed does things i mean I, the thing I, I try and whether i get it across very well uh john is it's, it's hard because the topic is so big and i don't even really understand all of it obviously but when, when people make these kind of moves with with money it is it is a massive directions and places that it all lands that people get hurt, people get helped, and it's it's really something that should be very well understood before you do it. And I don't know that I that our guys are are, are doing this right. I, re- I you know I really don't. I mean, uh, you talk about you know the, the Civil War and even World War Two. One of the the great advantages that the North had in the Civil War over the South was the South basically beat the crap out of their currency to where even the Confederates were were fed up with their stuff being no good. Where the the North uh, put in maybe 10% more currency a year so total on the war maybe they were up 30% in currency by, by putting greenbacks. Where the, where the Confederacy was doing 35-40% a year. And that's one of the reasons why their supply chain and all their stuff to the extent that it was, you know, it was worse than the North to start with, but it, it totally fell apart. All their, all their manufacturing, their rails, everything, the currencies you couldn't buy anything, couldn't sell anything. And there was counterfeiting going on. It was, a, it was a total disaster. In addition to, you know, the, the the losses on the field, but they didn't help. What was going on behind the scenes didn't help, and really acted to not be able to supply people, not be able to do that stuff. And one of the great reasons that the U.S. came out of World War II smelling like a rose, except for obviously people didn't come back or wounded and the other stuff, uh, was our dollar came out stronger than anybody else's. Our economy is better, better than anybody else's. I mean, the idea that we would, you know, throw that kind of money into, into the economy over the COVID thing and then do it again over the last six weeks to, to save two small banks, Jan, this is, this is incorrigible to me. I, I, can't, I can't even go there because the, the repercussions are going to get felt, and I know it's, people are saying, God, this guy's talking about money again, but it's it's true. I mean, uh, and I don't know what. So what do you, what do you? Because the, 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 the fuse got lit yesterday by a couple of guys I were talking about that do a lot of stuff overseas and saying how pissed off everybody is that their the value of their dollar is going down. I mean, it, you're not you're not going to hear that at the local coffee shop, even though if everybody thought about it, they they probably agree. How, how do we get this bus back on the train here in terms of governance, in terms of simple stuff like the money in your pocket being worth something one day after the next? Yeah, I, I completely agree, Tom. But 
whatever happened in banks in the last couple of weeks, um, I, I mean, there's a, a case to be made that it shouldn't have happened and wouldn't have happened had there been what what Kevin has called for, and that's you know better supervision, not more regulations, but a, a better um, handle on what's been going on with unrealized losses and how this hasn't been figured in stress testing or anything else. So in in effect, re disregarding the, the fact that banks are probably um, poised for some big changes, but nobody seems to have been aware of it. And so that this adds to the turmoil when things do happen, and of course they always will happen, never on anybody's you know timetable necessarily, but there will be institutions that can't handle a, you know, an outflow of deposits. And instead of you know having to reinvent the system, <laughs> if you really knew how many banks needed to be reined in, or like you suggested um, with Lou of, of raising deposit you know, requirements, this is a, a far more sane way of dealing with, with things that can go wrong. But I really think we've, we've created a culture at the top, and you can see it from you know, cabinet post to cabinet post, um, just utter incompetence in this administration. And that kind of, you know, incompetence taken together sends exactly the wrong signals around the world. So the crises that really aren't that bad end up looking far worse because there's nobody who seems to have been aware that they were coming at all or of, of the more reasonable alternatives to fixing them. Instead, you've got people who are just completely bouncing around the room, practically. Um, and this, this sends all the wrong signals to people around the world. And well, not I, just about the dollar, but, but about everything else we're doing. Well, I think that the, uh, I mean, I, running running the FDIC, SIPC's easy because it's easier because, you know, you, the, the, everybody's got so much money, you, you have to put down for stock trades and so forth. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, well, at PTI, we're doing this. Most of our people, it's not that we don't have everybody on margin, we do, but we're not the typical place where somebody wants to buy, you know, a million shares or something and wants you to send you a check for half of it. I mean, that's, that's, that's not what we do. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it'd be nice because it's good business because you make money on the interest. But it's, you know, un I guess, unfortunately, in some ways, it's not what we do. A, I don't have to worry about it. But B, I don't. I'm not making the money at all the interest that everybody else is. But, uh, but I mean, I don't see how the FDIC didn't take a little harder look at banks that are all over the crypto stuff, like the one in in New York. And I, I would think that any any bank that is a uh, has 80, over 87% of the money not insured, meaning you have a few very large people that if they move their money, it wouldn't be, I mean, any other bank where if you get a 5 or 10% move of money in one day is a hellacious amount. I don't, I, this whole idea of having a, a, a reserve requirement of zero right now, especially if you think everybody's balance sheets are a little weak, John, I think that makes no sense at all. Why can't you raise it to 5 or 10%? There, and it covers the ten percent of the of the where you think the, the U.S. Treasuries are down, maybe fifteen percent. But it was twenty percent for years, and we survived. It's not like a ten percent reserve requirement is that is, is that huge untoward on these people. They're not paying anybody interest anyway. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, to me, there's why are we always seem to be caught with our pants down? The, the people who are in and this is not. You can look at the incompetency of some of the. Uh, you know, maybe the uh, cabinet people right now, 
but I, this has been this is a 25 year phenomenon I mean it was you know, it was it was I, I would say maybe even going back I mean did Nixon realize what he was doing when he went off the gold standard and just started pouring money into the system it's the same story if we inflate inflate the economy we inflate the dollar the money we pay back to you stupid citizens 10 years from now is worth a lot less than when you gave it to us this this is this has been around since the I would say the buttonwood tree. It's been around since the Middle Ages. What do you, what do you think mercantilism was, right? And and people devaluing de- their devaluing their currency. It's all about paying people back less th- on stuff that was worth less, right? I mean, and and, and now we seem to be able to have inflation at ten percent, and we pay people one percent. That didn't happen in the seventies and eighties. At least people there. If you went and put your money in a bank, you got 11%. They, you, you covered the inflation. Now, these guys got to be giddy with what they're doing here. I mean, look at, look at the, the, the $30 trillion debt we have, John. What do you, what do you suppose that, that when, when they, if we pay that back 25 years from now, the dollar is going to be worth what? 30% of when you borrowed from somebody? What kind of deal is that? Well, who has benefited from all of this? Time? Government. I mean, if you, if, government rich people. Well, mostly government. It, sh- it shows that, you know, we've got, you know, it's, a, it's been a plutocracy or an oligarchy for longer than most people would want to admit. Um, and, of course, those, those systems, you know, when they start masquerading as something else or nobody recognizes that they're an oligarchy or a plutocracy, they can survive a lot longer than they're entitled to. Um but you know, it's it's, it's going to go where it's going to go. I think there's no, I don't see any kind of outrage about this. Certainly not in the political sense that's got any kind of credibility. The media tamps it down. The media does everything possible to make sure people don't know about this. And no, nobody wants no, the most un, nobody the wants to hear it. Un, Who wants to hear it? Nobody wants to hear it. Well, when you get an, an uninformed, you know, electorate. You know, the, that that works to the benefit of, of such people who want to maintain the system too, and uh, you can now see that they're conspiring to keep people stupid. Who, who well, wants you, people? Well, when you say, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just just poking holes, which I'm supposed to do as, as the host. Yeah. When you talk about it, an, an uninformed electorate, we're gonna we're gonna have, let's say McDonald's, and who knows what they're gonna do because they, they haven't done anything. I have not seen the announcement. If you have, but they. They told people essentially stay home until they figure out who the hell they're going to fire, which is a little weird. So, so let's say they fire 20% of the people. All right, so you, you, you basically bleep can 20%. Well, the other 80% now essentially have gotten, let's assume that the 20%, even if it's only make coffee, they did something while they were there. And the something they did, that function is not going away. If, if all they did was make coffee... Now you got to make the coffee, or I got to make the coffee. Somebody's got to do it, right? Because we're going to have coffee. So somebody has essentially got a, a deduction in pay, you or I, because now in addition to the other crap we're doing, we got to make coffee. So that on the simplest terms, the other eighty percent are getting a deduction in pay. So you say, okay, but we're going to raise everybody else's is pay paycheck seven or eight percent, even though inflation was ten or over the last. I matter of fact, last year the average. Wage, or I don't know what the average mean or what it was, up like seven percent. So maybe last year, people were even on inflation. If the last twelve calendar months, probably the the year twenty twenty two, probably not. But let's say we're getting somewhat close. I mean, that doesn't make up for twenty and twenty one. 
right, where the interest, where the inflation rate was pretty more like ten or twelve, right. So you're still you're still way behind. But now as you're getting your increases in pay, so let's say when, the, when it all ends, the prices are are thirty five percent higher than they were of when all this started. And by the way, you and I'm, I'm just I'm just going back three four years. I'm not going back to 2008, which is way worse. I'm not going back to 2000, which is even worse. But let's just say we go back three years. Well, now that person is going to be making, say he's lucky, he or she, and they're making 25% more, even though the inflation is 35, which I'm going to say is a is a small slice of our workforce. But say you're in that, that slice. Well, now you've probably jumped one, maybe two, probably one uh, tax bracket. So not only is the, is the money, the bond that you maybe have bought from somebody, worth less to you when you get back, gets back, now all of a sudden, instead of paying 12% federal taxes, you're paying 22 on this money you just got. But it didn't get you anywhere, John. So, so who's the winner on all this? The, the winner is, is, is in Washington the whole time, right? They, they know that they're giving people stuff, whoever it is. Republicans want to cut taxes when they know they, I won't say they shouldn't because I'd like to see taxes cut, but they know that they're not doing the corresponding cu- cutting of, of uh, spending. So they're, they're going at it that way. They're not cutting spending even though they're cutting taxes. And the, the Democrats are going to raise spending even though they won't raise taxes. But it gets you to the same place, right? So then at the end of the day, you say, okay, both sides of the aisle are not that stupid. Okay, we're both broke. Well, how do we do that? Let's inflate our way out of it, borrow money, inflate our way out of it, so people get higher. Uh, they have to make more money somewhere along the line. So when they do, we'll tax them higher on the incremental money. This this is going this has gone on since the sixties. Well, this is not new. This is not a flash. What, I think what's there's, there's been a change though, Tom, within my lifetime, um, and it's I think it's borne out in the uh, turnout statistics for the recent election here. Um, you know, they, where they slice up the population eligible voters. Uh, and determine you know what percentage of that age group participated in this last election, and this this is meaning Tuesday's election. I think the the lowest part- participation was in above age seventy five, which is not that surprising. But the next lowest participation was between the age twenty one and twenty four, and that really struck me because my recollection of being able to vote when the time came around. Um, was that this was maybe the single biggest thing <laughs> that had happened to me short of getting my driver's license. I don't know. Well, when <laughs> they dropped the agent, we we were right in the in the uh, right the, the bullseye. The, the the tax act or the tax act. The what was the twenty sixth amendment was nineteen seventy one. Right before we were twenty one, and when we were eighteen, so we were able right. to vote in the seventy two election, which we never would have been if not for that amendment. Right, and we voted in big numbers. Um, yeah, and I voted for lo- I voted for losers the whole way. But but there was a you know there was a draft in place, which was the big sticking point about the, that amendment. Oh yeah, was you had people of draft age who were unable to vote, and this to me was the height of you know, talk about having no redress. You know, yeah, you were you're old enough to be to give your life for your country, but you weren't old enough to decide who was best equipped to run that. No, 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 that you couldn't get a beer. Right. Yeah, that was. It was even well, worse. Face that issue every day. Yeah, <laughs> I I could be I could be in Vietnam, and if I came back at age nineteen, I couldn't go into a bar. Well, we did anyway. Yeah. But 
So when I when I hey, called that, it that didn't bother us that much though, did it? No, but but when I called it an uninformed electorate, I guess maybe a more accurate term is just an uninterested or an un, uninvolved electorate, and that's a lot worse um, because even if they are, you know, aware of what's going on, they've lost confidence in any kind of involvement in the system that could make their wishes known and, and at least you know use it as a, a polling tool of some kind to signify your outrage to some of this stuff. But but people have just given up on that as an option. Too. Well, the idea so is it was too hard to vote. I was out of town. Well, now we've been over backward, frontwards and backwards, to voters saying you can mail it in, you can do this on certain day. There's there's no way if somebody wanted some even put any minimal effort that you can't vote. Now for me, I walk out the door, I turn left, I take about forty steps, and I walk into the playground parking lot or the playground little office and I vote. Took, it couldn't have taken me 10 minutes door to door. So, But if, if it was too far away, I can get a mail-in ballot. I can do something if I cared about well, it. All, all of these you know, you know, suggestions of how to increase you know, voter participation have failed miserably. And now what we've got, we can't even get enough election judges in the two-party system to serve in polling places on a designated election day. How come we always got five, in my place, we always get five, six people. There's never a problem. Why are these other places? Is the neighborhood nobody wants to go, or what? Well, the, there's no. I, I think the budget for this stuff. I mean, they're always. I'm getting emergency emails for the elections in my ward, but there's not enough judges to staff them, and that was that was chronic in the city this past election. But the reason I think might be that they've got early voting set up for a month now, which means that in each of the 50 wards, there's a full staff of people, equipment that's, you know, seven days a week these places are open. So whatever budget they have to pay for elections has got to be completely, you know, twisted now into spending that has nothing to do with election day anymore at all. And as a result, we've got a shortage of people when we need them. And we've got facilities that are, you know, there for, you know, a full 30 days before an election and whether it's a primary and you know, final election or a runoff, as in the case of the Chicago election, that seems like an incredibly wasteful way to be allocating money to, to administer elections, especially given the pathetic participation rate. So what's the point of any of this stuff? Well, you know, it, also gets, it also gets yeah. down to when I, when I ran for, uh, well, I ran, I didn't run, I was helping Nancy Sheehan run, right? So we end up, we, she ends up losing, and of course we're in the the alleged celebratory bar because they thought she was going to win when it was a, was a Republican landslide and she did better than anybody else so, to the point where they talked her into not paying any campaign money the last weekend because they thought she was in and spreading it around to the other people well that was a not the right idea so we're sitting there and the guy who was her campaign manager another another time because Brian goes Tom you know who who does these elections who decides these elections and I go no, but please tell me, you know, he did a snootful. And he goes, uh, well, you know, half the people aren't registered. And out of the people that are registered, 30% of them vote. So when you're talking about losing a statewide election, so you're talking about, you know, half of 1% or 1% of the people, where do they get up and vote, make the difference. He goes, it's, it's, it's not even remotely a... And this particular election was, was so... Different in the in the two, the two ways of going forward, and I, 
and, and then there's this question of kind. We will talk more about this next week, John, and Monday, but we'll have more time. But I don't, I don't even think this guy who's who's mayor now, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about Lori. I know she was a, she was a, a, a prosecutor for a while, and she worked for a pretty big law firm. I mean, she had some background. I mean, this guy doesn't anybody even care that the guy has been on the county board. How he got there? He's been, he's just been an, an organizer. He gets on the county board. And from there, he gets his private deal with the CPU to be an organizer for them. And yet, plus, he, he, only, he only taught for four years. But now, because he, they, they bent the rules now to where, because he's on a salary or he's a consultant for those guys, I don't know if he's considered an employee for the union or a consultant, they now have decided he, he's going to get a full, a full pension as if he was teaching the whole 11 years. Which to me is is yet another scam artist. It's never had a real job. This guy's got as much business being mayor as I do being a jockey. For God's sake, it do, doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't mean he won't do a good job. I'm pushing for him, uh, but I, you know, it doesn't mean he won't rise to the occasion because other people have. But what are we think? What are we thinking, Jack? Um, I, I had a falling out with a, a labor lawyer who was representing the local that I was president of. When it, it turned out that one of the IFT people. Uh, was able to qualify for a teacher's pension by going into the classroom for one day. Yeah, and and you know I I told this lawyer I said you know I have to go to to my local members and tell them they have to be age fifty five and have twenty years in the system as a teacher if they want to get a teacher's pension. Pension. How does this clown get off getting a pension with one day in the classroom? And what kind of a day was it for him anyway? Was it a good day? I, I, well, well, this 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 lawyer tore into me. Oh, how disloyal can you be? This is a perfectly legal, you know, thing written into the statute. And I said, well, it's a bad law, and it's one of the reasons. Well, there we go again. If it's legal, it must be moral. It's not exactly true. Well, you know, that, that's why we're in the mess we are, Tom. And I, there's no indication that Brandon Johnson's resigning from the CTU. He hasn't, to my knowledge, announced he's going to. Well, he so can't. He's, piggybacking he, it. Well, you can't. The, the mayor, fortunately, I think you know, is better than me. We got a dash here. I think the mayor is probably one of ten full-time jobs in the state. I don't think you can have something else if you're a mayor. Well, well governor we'll too. We'll see. I don't. He hasn't th- said he will, so I'm I'm assuming that it's still up in the air. And it may. I I it has to be I gotta believe that that's a full-time job. Boy, oh boy, that's that's a Brennan question. But um, I. He, I, I, you know, depending how long he wants to stay in that position. Well, he's going to stay till he's going to get his last paycheck till he gets inaugurated. That you know. Well. Yeah, and then maybe even after. Well, I, I, that that I'd be stunned. I'd be really. I've never heard of that. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. No, oh God, that would be. That'd be a, well, it's like saying the governor's a part-time job. I mean, those things are actually defined anyway. SP futures down six. SA futures down fifty-seven. John, talk to you on Monday. Have a yep. have a good Easter and uh, you too. Happy Easter to everybody. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. 
Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.